Welcome back to Wind Down with Kev. It's been a minute, but we're back. It's been a busy year. I became a business coach with Craig Wiggins Coaching. I published a book with JM Publishing, and I became a best-selling author. Definitely didn't see that one coming. I've been running around the country, speaking, traveling, and enjoying every minute. But now it's time to get back to podcasting. This is my favorite format for sharing amazing conversations with incredible people. Welcome to season four, Behind the Red Doors. Come on in, check it out. I have incredible guests lined up just for you. Welcome to Wine Down with Kev, season four, episode seven. We are at the Palace in East Meadow, New York. We are behind the red door, sitting in the VIP section. I am so excited to be here with this gentleman to my right that I've known for over 30 years. That's all I'm going to tell you. We're not going to date ourselves. Just we have 30 years of history. Uh, we're going to capture as much as we can in the next 30 minutes. Um, ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Mr. Jerry Dolan. Uh, great Jerry, to see you, Kevin. Great to see you. So yep. happy that you can make it here. Thank you for asking. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank you for being here, Jerry. For people that don't know you as well as I do, tell them a little bit about yourself. Wow. Are you sure we have enough time <laughs> for this? Well, I, uh, I, I can say that uh, you and I met uh, back in the old days at Allstate Insurance Company. I feel like I grew up uh, in that company. Yes. Started there in 1984. So we'll start there. We won't yes. go before that. Yeah, I was an underwriter and then went into sales and yes. then... Uh, you know, in that journey, you and I met, yes. and it's uh, yeah, 25 years there and beyond. <laughs> it, 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 it's it's a beautiful thing. What I've always liked about your journey is your willingness to change. Your willingness to change, and that uh, while where you found me at Allstate, I'm still here. You've worked with some of the best companies, and you've seen both sides of the coin. You've seen the captive side with Allstate. You've worked with some of our respected competitors and today you're on the independent side yes absolutely yeah i'm working with the great company now uh usi insurance services so i guess things have come kind of full circle so you know there was there was Allstate, there was farmers had an, a startup agency with farmers which i never thought i would do so yes. that was a little different i was completely independent for a while um, mostly financial services and some consulting work and now circling back through um, the insurance world, but on the independent channel. But I, that's what I love about insurance. There's a path for everybody yes. in this field. It's not a cookie cutter approach that you're with someone and you have to stay there until the wheels fall off. You do have the ability to change. Would you say that the part that you love the most is just helping people no matter who you're representing? Absolutely, absolutely. I think that's in my DNA. And it, uh, you know, it holds true today. So for whatever reason, uh, I, I think the best jobs I've ever had have been in the mentoring and coaching roles. And that's why I love being an agency manager so much, because a lot of it was that was, you know, bringing on great people, teaching them the business and watching them grow to be the best they could absolutely be. So. Well, I love that. I usually ask this later, but you went there. So I'm going to go. I know you as a mentor. But before I get to who you're mentoring, who mentored you? Who showed you the light in insurance and uh, has kind of been your guide on your career path? Oh, such a, there's a whole team. Okay. But uh, we'll, um, 
Well, you know what? I'm, uh, my dad actually was in the insurance business. I didn't know that. I, I never thought I would do what dad did. I always thought <laughs> it was so boring. I'm never going to do what he does. And he worked for Continental Insurance wow. back in the day. And lo and behold, I ended up in the insurance business. Oh, so, my God. So he did give me that DNA. So it starts with him. And then uh, when I joined uh, Allstate, it was um, really uh, Debbie Remini was nice. one of my mentors. Yes. She was the unit manager in the underwriting department. Uh, Candace Cleary. Wonderful person. Um, you know, taught me almost everything I knew on the technical side. And then when I got into sales, uh, Al Schwartzup. Oh, another great uh, name. Yeah, Al Schwartzup. He, he, I, I still really use a lot of Al's systems and techniques to manage and lead organizations. And, uh, and then there was Al Rook. I don't know if you remember I do Al know Rook. Al Rook. Al yeah. Rook was a territorial sales leader in Nassau County. I yes. remember him. Yes. Yeah, he, he was the, uh, we, we called him behind his back, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Lovingly, because he had that kind of presence. Yes. And we were, you know, I was a young kid back then, and uh, I really looked up to Al. And he, he really, um, he taught me how to be a professional. That, yeah. That's really important. So, Jerry, fast, fast forward. How important is it for either young people entering this career path or career changes? Maybe this is your second or third career. Maybe you're 40 or 50 and you're leaving some job inside. How important is it to have a mentor that's kind of a guide and coaches you along the way as you make different moves? Yeah, that's, that is a great point, Kevin. It is absolutely critical because there are so many different avenues that you can take, so many different career paths. Insurance is such a generic term there's hundreds of different uh, you know, paths that you could end up taking by accident. Yes. So to have a mentor in the beginning, they can really help you sort of coalesce what works for you and the best path for you. And then once you have the best path, then, you know, then there's a track to run on. And Absolutely. they can help you with that too. Same question, different line, relationships. You and I have a 30-plus year relationship. We met many moons ago, but we've stayed in touch over the years, both in person and through social media. Yes. How is it important is it to maintain good relationships, no matter who you work with or where you work? Yeah, I, th I think it's all about relationships. I mean, that's the beauty of the insurance business, yes. as a matter of fact. It's, it's less so about the product, even though that's important, obviously. Yes. But the thing I'll always remember are the relationships, you know, from mentors to mentees yes. and, and everyone in between. And, you know, if you own your own agency, which you have for many years, uh, you and I have been, you know, yes. management and ownership, uh, you realize that relationships are your business. Yes. So there is no business without that. And, With and your client relationships are just, you know, second to none. That one of the things I love is the amazing people that I meet. Uh, sometimes I get enthralled in the backstory of the client more so than the product or service I'm selling. Like, right. yeah, we're going to write the home. We're going to take you of your orders. We're going to do But tell me more. <laughs> <laughs> right. Tell me more about you and how did you. Tell me the you, story. Yeah, tell me <laughs> the story. How did you wind yeah. up in this wonderful place? Yep. Speaking of the story, I think the story that really binds you and I probably happened 20 years into us knowing each other. Uh, I'm just starting my agency in Middle Village in the Metro Mall. And one day I go to the Burger King that's in front, and I run into you there. I'm like, oh, no, Jerry's going to, they're going to fall in love with him. He's going to sell all my clients. No. But you were there for a much more important purpose. Talk about the work that you were doing at that time with Make-A-Wish and, you know, what you may still be doing with them today, the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Yeah, the, uh, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, a, uh, a wonderful organization near and dear to my heart. I've been volunteering with them for over 20 years now. Okay. 
And uh, I believe that day I was serving on the Speaker's Bureau. Okay. And um, what that entailed basically was I'm an ambassador for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. I was, I believe I was um, presenting a, an award to an organization, one of the businesses in the mall that actually raised funds to provide a wish to, uh, to a child who was critically ill, uh, life-threatening illness. Right. And, um, you know, they just, they, they bring hope and joy to children and families who are going through the absolute worst of times. And I've been so fortunate to be a part of their uh, journey and part of their volunteer team for over 20 years, yeah. Jerry, it takes a special heart to do what you do. So for those people, you said a little bit, can you tell them a little bit more about the Make-A-Wish Foundation, if there's anyone listening that's looking for that extra purpose in their life beyond their career, oh, yeah. about how they can get involved with the Make-A-Wish Foundation? Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, they are actually looking for volunteers, uh, wish-granting volunteers specifically. And it's not always the easiest job because you're no. engaging directly with families who, again, are going through the worst of times. Yes. And. Um, you know, the definition of uh, a, a wish child who would qualify is they have to have a life-threatening illness. Okay. So things are serious. Now, that doesn't mean that they don't make it. Mm -hmm. uh, more often than not, they do. Occasionally, the worst does happen, though, and you have, to, you have to be prepared to experience that with the family, at least a part of it. But, um, but w the impact that you have for that brief window of time where you walk into the home and you're it's like opening uh, the shades. Yes. You know, the light streams in for the time that you're helping this wish child and family um, really live the wish. Yes. And they get a break. My God. For a period of time, you know, maybe a small period of we'll time. Take it. But they get a break from all of it. And the joy, um, you know, I'm getting chills just talking about that's it because okay. I have so many wish stories to, to tell. Please, please share one. Please share one that's impactful. <sighs> okay. So. One of the ones that I will never forget as long as I live was, um, it was uh, called a nonverbal wish. So the child had a form of cerebral palsy, um, nonverbal, could not communicate, but the family knew how to communicate with the child because it was a, and it was a family. It mm -hmm. was like, you know, it takes a village. Mm -hmm. There was an entire family caring for this child with such love and care. It, oh was, it was heartbreaking in a good way. You know, it just was like this whole team of people, cousins, nieces, nephews. I love it. And, um, you know, during the first wish interview, you're really going in just to get a feel for what, you know, what is the wish child thinking of in right. terms of, you know, you have a wish. Right. We want to grant it. Right. What do you think? Right. Let's talk about it. Wow. But because it was nonverbal, it was a lot more with the wish mom. Okay. And it was single mom and the wish family. Oh my God. Uh, this extended family. And it was just, it was like a huddle and we engaged and they were communicating with the wish child. And ultimately they, um, they landed on a wish to go to Disney World. Oh my God. Which they're really good at. Wake-A-Wish has, yes. you know, has the program yes. down. And, uh, but it was many months uh, between the initial wish interview and actually delivering the wish. Yes. But when the time came and I was able to deliver that wish pack, with the family, they were kind of subdued. Really? Now, in a positive way. You know, they were grateful, but it wasn't like high fives. Outside the realm of comprehension that we can actually go? Right. I, I think there was a little little shock there, like, 
Make-A-Wish said yes, and they were spending you know, a fair amount of money to get uh, an extended family. There were quite a few people going. Thank God. And when my, and, but it was great. It was a great wish pack delivery. We shut the door, and then you could hear them all cheering. Oh, my God. And jumping up and down. The place was shaken. Oh, my God. And I'll never forget it as long as I live. It, I, it was I'll just never amazing. forget it because you shared it with me because we're fortunate enough, some people listening to this are fortunate enough that planning a summer vacation is just part of what they do. Yes. But when you have that make-a-wish child, it's outside of the reach. All effort, all care, all funding is yeah. focused on just caring for the child and 100%. you can't do that. And uh, having been to Disney World, I know just showing up before you get on a ride, there's such a, such a sense of, of winning, a sense yes. of peace, a sense of happiness, you know, that yes. they provide there that is beyond, beyond. Yeah, it is beyond, beyond. Yeah, and they, and they just, um, you know, it allows the family to really live a normal life Thank for God. a period of time. So, yeah, that's, that's one that really just sticks in my mind. I got it, I got it. So I'm going to take you out of that place of that Make-A-Wish, and thank you so much for sharing that. Sure. Without a doubt, you've touched our listeners, our viewers' minds and hearts with that story. You just got back. You just took a trip. Yes. British Honduras, if I'm correct? Uh, it was Honduras, yes. Honduras. Yeah. Talk to me about it. Talk me about the purpose of that trip and uh, what you did over there. I saw some pictures, but yeah. let's talk about <laughs> it. It was quite a trip. Okay. I, I have to say, it was um, it was sponsored by a nonprofit that my wife uh, volunteers for uh, called People Loving People. So it's a small local, local to Oyster Bay. They run a, uh, a food pantry, amongst other things. But they organized this trip in conjunction with Shelter Rock Church. Okay. So there was a spiritual component to it. Excellent. But it really was designed to provide service to um, some extremely poor people in Honduras. Okay. And they also partnered with another local, um, you know, smaller local organization in Glenhead. And I, the, the name escapes me okay. right now. But they have a, uh, a trauma center in Glen Cove, or Seacliff rather. And they just built one down in uh, Honduras. Beautiful. This, this uh, couple. So they were all kind of working together to do this. And yeah, basically we, uh, we went as a group. There were 32 of us. Um, I have to admit, my wife gets all credit for this yes. because I was the last one to sign up. <laughs> very, I did not plan on going. Kudos. Thank you, Alice. Thank you, Alice. You Great name. job. But... Um, she really helped uh, clear the path for me, and uh, and I'm so glad I did it because we we went down as a group a group of strangers, uh, we came back as family. Outstanding. And it, it's you know the bonding and the connection is beyond anything I could have imagined because when you're when you're there and you're doing work, a hundred percent for someone else. Yes. Nothing for us. Yes. All selfless. It just changes the way you view the world. Yes. And. Um, you know, I came back different. Yes. You know, more different. Yes. Than I was. That's good. And more inspired. And um, you know, it's uh, everyone should go to a third world country once in their life to just get perspective. We were we were having a conversation before we started the show. I'm a wine dance born and raised alumni wine dance high school, and a group just took a group of kids from wine dance high school to visit uh, sections of Ghana, Africa, and. When they got there, when they returned from the trip, they visited a school while they were there. Right. And one of the students spoke upon returning from the trip and they shared that they adopted a school uh. there that needed more resources. Right. And that was mind expanding as well because the perception is 
that wine is doesn't have the resource, but for them to go travel, That's expand their wonderful. mind, and adopt the school in another place, yeah. it reinforces your point that everyone should visit a third world country because having and not having is all relative. It, it absolutely is. You know, we um, one of the projects that we did, and that's a wonderful story, and um, you know, again, it's all about perspective. One of the projects was a clean water project. Okay. So digging a well, okay. for example. Wow. And all that goes with that. Without getting into detail, it was hard labor. Yes. Um, but, you know, I mean, before the trip, I'm thinking that my biggest problem is, is Poland Spring on sale. Yes, you know? yes, yes. And there's no such thing. There's no clean water in this particular area. Wow. 100% of the medical treatments given during this medical clinic also had parasites due to the water. 100%. That's what they live with. So this clean water project, like, it turns your head around because water is it's, it's, it's not it's, a it's, given. No, and... You know? and me and my American New York frame of mind when you said that, I remember I had a, a teacher in school that told us that, how well we were doing. Said, don't worry about what anyone says about where you're from, yeah. what they write about it. Said, you have both clean water in your bathroom and in your toilet, right. and that's not taken for granted anywhere else in the world. So literally, you were able to go there and yeah. dig a well. Yeah, amazing. Wow. Yeah. So, Jerry, we, we talked a little bit about insurance, a lot about the heart you and I share in common for a community. Yes. Fast forward to today, literally, in your organization you work with now, you're focused on helping nonprofits. You're crushing on LinkedIn, LinkedIn with a lot of good articles about nonprofits. So, sure. talk about some things from an insurance standpoint that nonprofits should be aware of. Uh, just like you and your long history, I have a long history of volunteering in the community. A lot of people want to start nonprofits. You mentioned uh, people of people and other organizations. Sure. Talk about from an insurance standpoint, what some, non what some nonprofit organizations should have. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great question. I think um, maybe at the top of the list now is cyber liability. Um, and simply because uh, it's prevalent. Yes. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. It seems like every other week there's a data breach yes. somewhere. But nonprofits are becoming a prime target for wow. a number of reasons. The primary reason is most of them don't think they're a prime, you know a prime target. Yes, but they really are. They've got they've got data on donors. They've got data on board members, on employees, on former employees, on former donors. You know they have a database of personally identifiable information, even if it's just name, address, and phone. That organization's exposed. That's a, that's a lot yeah. right there to get started with. And, you know, if you expose me, there I go, and there go my donations. So you'd start with cyber liability. That's huge. That's not talked about a lot. Yeah, no, it's not. And, and it's sort of in the shadows, and it's probably, it is the thing that I speak about most, though, because it's, um, it's now. It's happening now, and it requires additional awareness to sort of get over the hump of, well, that could never happen to me. Right. Well, plan on it happening, wow. because it's not a matter of if, but when, it seems. Um, but have the right plan in place so that you can recover quickly, yes. unlike Suffolk County, for yes. example. Not a quick recovery. Yes. Very bad recovery, yes. because there was, there was a very disjointed plan. There were a lot of holes in the plan. They did not have insurance. They were self-insured. There were a lot of issues around that that we could all learn from. And I think nonprofits, if they pay attention to that, 
and they've got a good broker who has an awareness and an understanding of uh, how to solve the problem, it's, it's a great place to start. For those that are listening that aren't aware of the backstory that you're referencing, Suffolk County is the county that you and I both live in, live in Suffolk as well, very large county, Long Island, New York. And basically the county was the victim of cyber theft. They were held hostage for a long period of time. Yeah. It held up a lot of our friends that we do referral business with, our realtors and our lenders. Right. Uh, they just couldn't get anything done because it was hacked. So I like that you said to begin with the end in mind, act as if you are going to get hacked and put cyber liability insurance yeah. in place. That's, that's your safety net. Have it in place. Work, work on a plan of prevention, of mm -hmm. course. That's, mm -hmm. that's number one. But right alongside of it, if you have a good cyber liability program, if it does happen, you'll have the funds to handle the, the recovery process. There could be lawsuits that result from that. There probably would be. Uh, class action suits pop up all the time over a uh, cyber breach. And um, you've got the money and the means to handle it and continue your business and your mission. That being said, cyber liability being number one, where would you rank board of director liability insurance for people like you and I that work this way for profit, but we yeah. get involved because we have a heart and a passion to give back to the community. Yeah. Where would you rank before someone gets heavily involved or signs on for a leadership position? How important is it to have board of director liability insurance? Yeah, I, I think that's right alongside of cyber. Yeah, and that's typically the one that's more top of consciousness. Okay. Because um, you know, if you're on a board of directors, you're helping to make decisions that affect the organization, yes. a direct effect, which means it puts you in the crosshairs to a degree. So there's some immunity uh, to that, but it's not complete. Yes. You know, without getting into details, I got it. it's not I got complete. It. And it varies state by state as well. So yeah, your, your directors and officers, better known as DNO coverage, yes. that's the, you know, you know, it's the short version, but for the audience. Um, yeah, when you hear DNO, you want to make sure that there's a solid DNO program in place, that it names the board of directors as yes. additional named insureds, yes. and, um, and that you have a good look at the provisions in the plan. You know, maybe have the broker uh, actually have a meeting with the board periodically and say, okay, this is what you're covered for, this is what you're not. Yes. Be aware of it and, um, and then manage it, you know, risk manage it. Let, let's simplify it and let's take the rule from boxing. Protect yourself at all times. You're hands in trouble. <laughs> keep, keep your hands up. Yeah. Um, Jerry, I'm gonna I'm gonna come down. You were doing some educational and uh, education and awareness work, and a space that a lot of people like you and I have been around for a little while are thinking about right now. Talk to me about general financial literacy we should have in the senior market. Uh, I shared my birthday with everyone shortly. Approaching a certain <laughs> place where people plus five plus or minus five or 10 years like you and I, we're all thinking about it, yes. but very few of us know about it. What should we be looking at to prepare ourselves for different things? Yeah, great, great point. Uh, I'm actually working with a client right now, uh, more, more as a consultant. And, um, and I do get calls periodically from former clients asking me to try to explain to them how Medicare works. <laughs> And you know, God bless the question yes. because it's a big one. Yes, uh, Medicare is its own animal. Yes, it's, um, it's got a lot of lot of parts to it. Um, you know, but when you turn 65 or there's some other qualifying event, 
then you have decisions to make. And there are uh, timelines associated with those decisions, and a lot of people don't realize that. So I think literacy should start well in advance of your eligibility date for Medicare, well in advance, a year or two or more, and really become um, as literate as possible in terms of the Medicare rules for qualification and the insurance options that you have. Okay. Um, you know, there are multiple options that you may want to use to supplement Medicare if that's the route you go in terms of your health, uh, you know, your health care going forward. I love it. Jerry, you one. said it very, very succinctly, very, very simply. Uh, we've I'm coming close myself. So <laughs> you know, it's top of consciousness. It, it, it's, it's, uh, it, it's reality. It's a reality we're facing and we don't know a lot about. But I think, um, so close to the last question. Sure. What do you think captive agents or independent agents like yourself even if we don't sell this product, what should we be talking to our clients about to increase their education awareness? I've always led with community education and awareness, sure, and then products later, but what do you think that we have to offer that can help our clients navigate the space? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, there's, there is a lot of education available out there. Um, you know, the carriers, uh, I think, are, are doing a much better job, like United Healthcare, for example. Um, you know, they do a lot of seminars and workshops and things like that. So I would, I would get up to speed on what's available out there and then maybe incorporate that in my communication process to my clients. Um, I would incorporate it into a newsletter that had a section specifically on that, you know, that knowledge base that they need to build and sort of point, point them in the right direction. And, and I'd probably also partner with a highly competent professional who does that work 100%, somebody that's trustworthy and you know, would, would be willing to uh, take care of your clients properly. Uh, that would be something I would consider too. I, I love it, someone like yourself. So Jerry, you do a great job on LinkedIn. You're always posting informative articles about things that people need to know but they're not thinking about. So for everyone listening, how can they get in touch with you? What's your preferred way of having people get in touch with you? Well, um, I mean, they can find me on LinkedIn, I hope. Yes. Um, but they can uh, certainly call or text me. Um, I could give my phone number. Please, That's, absolutely. It's 516-779-4281. Uh, call or text is fine. Go on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm in there as Gerard Dolan, I yes, think. Yes, yes. Yeah. So with a G, G-E-R. A-R-D, Dolan it. spelled phonetically. Yeah, and you can message me, and, and those are probably the best ways to do it. And I'd be happy, I'll talk to anyone. Uh, there's no obligation. Uh, if you need help, just give me a holler. I love it. Jerry, yeah. was there anything that I didn't ask you about that people should know that you're working on now? Upcoming passion, product, projects, anything you're working on that you'd like to share? Well, I have two quick things talk that about I'm working it. on. Two, I'll make it very quick. Um, I'm actually doing a, a I can't even call it a podcast. It's more like a Zoom cast. That's okay. We're trying to find our way with it. Okay. Um, but it's called Dear Nonprofits, Ooh. and I do it once a month, and I do advertise it on LinkedIn. So it'll it'll be out in uh, in cyberspace at some I point. I like the name, yeah. Dear, non Dear Nonprofits. So it's it. like a love letter to nonprofits. Yes. And we spotlight a small local nonprofit who typically doesn't have the funds to get all kinds of branding. And then we bring in folks from uh, the for-profit world 
and we engage, and we talk about subjects that are important to both, and the whole idea is to open up dialogue between the two worlds and um, you know, put people together so that they can, they can help, help each other. I love it. So that's number one. And then I have another thing coming up. It's not out yet. Okay. But um, you know, being the tender young age that we are, yes. and I'm a little older than you, so yes, it's okay. I, can, I can say this freely. <laughs> um, I just think like at this age, I, I feel like I'm, I could go forever. Yes. And thank God. Yes. You know, yes. and I want to. I yes. don't, I'm not retired. There is no retirement. No, 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 no. But I think that there are so many folks in the same spot. We were talking about it before cameras mm -hmm. rolled that we have, and many do, all this experience and knowledge and life experience to share. So I want to create a platform for that. And I, it's going to be, a, it's going to start out as a blog. Okay. And um, it's titled, uh, the blog site is called A Venerable Man. I like that. So like I'm, that. that's just a little teaser. That's, that's okay. I'm working on the content. Okay. But um, more to come. On so that. two things, people: Jerry Dolan, Gerard Dolan on social media, formerly Gerard Dolan. Look out for two things: Dear Nonprofit, which I absolutely love. I love the connotation because there's so much to learn. We go into, we volunteer, we give back with our hearts, but there's ways we have to protect ourselves yes. and. A venerable man. So for, not for the audience, the audience is smarter than me. Help people, venerable. Yes, that's a great, that's the best question of all, venerable. <laughs> and I struggled with this. Not struggled, <laughs> but I, I had to do some research. <laughs> but venerable denotes that you've, first, you've probably lived a good long life. Yes. Um, you have a lot of experience. You have, and you use it in a way that helps people. Yes. And I would say those, those are the three things, longevity, experience, and sharing. And yes. sharing that with others, being a mentor, a coach, you know, someone who, who can share their life experience and, and help others grow from it. Jerry, I didn't know this 10 minutes ago, but I want to be a venerable man. You may be one of my very first, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my good friend, Jerry Dolan. Follow him everywhere, especially on LinkedIn. 